This morning it would be remiss of me not to give a brief recap over our journey through the Acts of the Apostles. Perhaps as we've been hearing the messages over these weeks and months, uh, we've at times felt like, you know, we identify with the Apostles in their imprisonments as we've been locked away in our houses uh, under some kind of virtual house arrest at times. Great trials and tribulations during our journey. I hope that it's helped you, these circumstances. I hope they've helped you feel more in touch with our brothers and sisters in Scripture. Well, if you cast your minds back, you'll remember that Acts begins with Jesus. It actually begins and ends with Jesus, unsurprisingly. But it starts with Jesus himself commissioning his apostles, his disciples. And then after Jesus' ascension, they wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And boom! Power comes to them. Power to preach the gospel, the living word of God. And what happens? Conversions. Transformation, demonstrations of power, signs and wonders as their mission is affirmed and given authority and credibility by God himself as they take the gospel across the known world. The apostles fearlessly begin to obey Christ and not Caesar or the Jewish religious authorities. They encounter oppression and pushback from those authorities, from those benefiting from false religious practice and from the worldly wise. But they press on, with churches being founded across the Roman Empire and beyond, with sinners being saved Lives turned around and purpose, understanding and spiritual life coming to dry bones everywhere. Isn't it exciting? Hasn't it been exciting to read the word of God and and to hear about what God is doing? To know that when we reach chapter 28, that's not the end of the story. We're still involved in the mission of God. He's still bringing dry bones to life. He's still giving demonstrations of his power. Praise God. I wonder what's been your experience of life in the Spirit. That's been the title of our series, Life in the Spirit. We've seen what what life looks like when the Spirit moves, when the Spirit comes. gives us a whole different modus operandi, a whole different reason for being a whole different motivation for life and way of operating. How does the helper help you? How have those around you responded? Do they know you live for Jesus? Why don't we revisit Acts one more time and explore these things together this morning. If you're taking notes, 
know that this uh, sermon is entitled, Will You Speak For or Against Jesus? Will You Speak For or Against Jesus? And the three points of the sermon are trust, testimony, and teaching. Trust, testimony, and teaching. Let's read together from Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, it's Acts 28. If you've got a church Bible, it's page 1126. If you've got your own Bible, Lord willing, you know your way around it. Praise God. Words will be on screen too. We resume at verse 17 to the end of the chapter. Three days later, Paul called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to our forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Will we speak for or against Jesus? There's a clear challenge in scripture today. Will we be seeing and hearing or, or will we just never get it? Firstly, trust. We need to have trust. Who do you trust? 
Now that's a loaded question, isn't it, in today's world? Who do you trust? Do you trust anyone? I'm serious. Do you trust anyone? People don't trust anyone these days. Barely even trust themselves. Who did the Jews trust? Well, it seems that they also didn't know who to trust when we read scripture this morning. The reason they wanted to hear from Paul was because they had received no letters from Judea about them, about him. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about him. Verse 21. And so they ask Paul to hear from him what his views were. Wow. Wow. I get excited when people ask me that kind of question. Pastor Ben, I want to hear what your views are. Do you get excited when you're given that kind of bait? That kind of invitation? I hope you do. What would Paul do with such an opportunity? Well, of course, we know what Paul would do and what he did do. But why did Paul respond that way? Because Paul knew and trusted Christ. He had someone to trust. He had someone who was and is the truth. Do you know the truth? Or are you still sitting on the fence with the rest of the world? Uh, um, I'm not really sure whether I can believe. It's too confusing. What about all those other religions? What about people who just can't believe, but they're nice people? Who did Paul trust? Let's remember Paul for a minute from our studies through Acts. Following his conversion, Paul had endured beatings, mobs, attempted assassinations, poisonous snakes, a shipwreck. And now he has his head in the lion's jaw in Rome. I think it should be quite obvious by now, and it continues to be in our text today. It's quite obvious who Paul trusts. Paul's under house arrest. Did you notice he's paying his own way? He's paying rent to be under house arrest. Would you pay rent to be under arrest? Or would you expect to be at Her Majesty's pleasure? Three square meals a day, gym facilities, movies, study programs, whatever else you get at her pleasure. Paul pays his way even though he's constrained and under house arrest. What does he do with his time? He doesn't sit and bide his time and wait until the day when he's set free. Knowing that there are people who are antagonized by the message of the gospel, knowing there are people who, who turn away 
What does he do? He continues to preach it. What should we do when we're faced with people who stand opposed to the gospel? Should we just get in line with what's culturally acceptable? Should we just toe the line for an easier life? Or should we do what Paul did? Testifying daily to the goodness and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Declaring the kingdom to be here and now. Not some pie-in-the-sky future possibility. Here and now, making transformation, winning souls, redeeming lives, lifting us out of the mire, out of the misery, out of the hopelessness. Praise God. Who should you trust? A large part of our coming to trust Jesus comes from the testimony we receive about him. How is it that we are saved? Well, we're saved by hearing, as Paul himself wrote to the church at Rome. He's in Rome now. He's meeting with the church regularly, people who are coming to to see him at his house, to be equipped. They've already heard from Paul. They know him. We heard that last time, remember, when he arrived at Rome. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, I heard the word of Christ, age 13. Overcome with my own sinfulness, I turned from it and trusted Jesus. Of course, over the years, I needed to keep learning that trust, to keep growing in that word of Christ, to keep repenting from my failings until it began to take shape and solidify. As I read the word of God, my theology, my understanding of God and my sanctification have grown through the twists and turns of life. Not through my own efforts, but through the grace of God Almighty and his kindness to me. Christ has proven himself faithful again and again through international moves, having children, in sickness and even in death. And in some trying moments of stubborn sinfulness and all the deception the world can muster. Christ has never let me down. And he's never let me go. I'm delighted, friends, that with our new freedoms, we'll soon be hearing the testimonies of new membership applicants and from two baptismal candidates, Abby and Michael. The Lord continues calling and saving sinners. What about you? Have you trusted in him? The governments of this world are asking people to trust them. I wonder how you feel about that. Well, I'd suggest to you this morning that if you're wise you'll take a healthy pinch of salt with the government's advice and motives. It's not difficult to see how trust 
is lacking today. Not just in the government, from whichever side of the house, but in our broken society at large. Our foundations as a nation and as a society, like those at the manse next door, have proven to be shaky under pressure. Those of you who know the manse will know there's been a bit of cracking because of subsidence. Friends, who we ultimately trust is shown in our lives, in the things that we say and the things that we do. And so I've got to ask you this morning, what do the things that you say and the things that you do reveal about who you trust? Is it Jesus you're trusting? Like Paul? Are you trusting Jesus? Our testimony is crucial, friends. Our witness is all important. The Jews' foundation, the Jews' faith, their testimony is of those who are opposed to the way of Christ. When I say the Jews, I'm referring to the Jews specifically in the narrative. Those who who walk away, when they've heard Paul all day and they've heard his final words, they just say, not putting up with that, walk out. That's their testimony. Isn't this the same today? The starting position of most people we encounter in our world around us is doubt, scepticism and mistrust of the church. Due to all kinds of rumours, scandals and bad reports about the church, what it teaches and what people in the church have done. We cannot assume that the people that we meet are blank canvases. Many of them have experiences or at least have been informed by those offering negative testimony about the church. Where folks have a positive experience of church, perhaps from Sunday school as a child or through kind grandparents who used to go to church or experience perhaps of the charity of the church, they are still frequently confused by the negative presentations in the media and in popular atheist material, which is all over the internet. If you're a parent this morning, your children are on the internet. What is it they're reading? What is it they're hearing? Do you know how to answer the objections? Once again, Paul is given the opportunity to expound to the Jews. That's what is literally said there. To expound means to expose, to declare, or to lay out before them. He's given the opportunity to testify to the kingdom of God. To, to testify means to attest or protest earnestly, to witness to the reality of the kingdom of God. What is it that actually happens when God moves? What is the working out of the gospel? When it hits home. And Paul is given the opportunity to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses 
and from the prophets, it says, verse 23. Well, I hope you notice here that the primary scriptural references to support evangelism to Jews was the Old Testament. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, the Old Testament scriptures are all about me, he said. They're all about me. I'm not some, you know, subsequent prophet with a new message with, with the gospel. The Muslims say that Jesus brought the Injil, the gospel. Uh, but they say that that's been lost. It's been corrupted and lost. And that the Muslims have the true teaching of Jesus in the Quran. I wonder if you know any Muslims. Do you pray for them? This week is Eid al-Adha, one of the big festivals in Islam. Are you praying for your Muslim friends and neighbours, co-workers? Are you helping them to realise that the gospel is contained in the person of Jesus? That the testimony of the New, New Testament is just the outworking, the fulfilment of the, all the Old Testament scriptures? But when Moses speaks of a prophet to come, a greater prophet to come. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 18, he's not talking about Muhammad. He's talking about Jesus. Friends, what we say about our faith, what we say about our Saviour, and how we live is all important. What is your testimony to them? Jesus said, the Old Testament scriptures are all about me. When he was walking the road to Emmaus, what did Jesus do for the disciples then? Well, Luke's Gospel tells us. It says that Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Luke 24, verse 27. Do you see Jesus on every page of scripture? Do you see Jesus on every page of your life story? Do others? To see Jesus in Scripture, we've got to be in Scripture. How often are you in Scripture? Let's get in there. Let's get our hands dirty. Let's get into Scripture every day and see Jesus on every page through the mouth of every prophet, in the story of every king of Israel. Jesus is either partly prefigured or he's sorely lacking in the story of every king of Israel. Friends, Jews and Gentiles can all now speak for Jesus. We can all be useful in his kingdom together, which is why it's such a joy to partner with agencies like International Mission to Jewish People, brothers and sisters from a Jewish background reaching Jews with the gospel of Christ in order that they would hear and understand, exactly like what Paul is doing in our text today. He's talking to the Jews, pleading with them to come to know Christ, the Lord God, come in the flesh to fulfill every promise that he ever made to his people. That work continues today. Praise God. We, we met just a couple of weeks ago with our brother Asaph 
from I am JP. When did that happen? That happened on a Wednesday evening via Zoom from the Netherlands. If you're not logging on and you're not getting this stuff, you're not getting this encouragement, I'm just offering it to you. I'm telling you what happens. Sign up for the Zoom meetings. What else are you doing on a Wednesday? The Olympics haven't even started yet. (laughs) Praise God. They're continuing that mission in order that people would hear and understand that they would see and perceive the truth about Jesus. God himself come in the flesh to redeem his people from many nations. We saw that on Wednesday at our Bible study in Exodus 12. Both men and women from ethnic Israel and foreigners could be covered by the blood of the Passover lamb if they had their hearts transformed by the word of God. That's what it says in Exodus 12. You can't tell me the gospel is not in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. It's there time and again. Time and again. How people can read it and not see it is beyond me. Yet they do, sadly. Which is why we need teaching. My third point this morning. We've heard about Paul's strategy in reaching the Jews and his usual style. He reaches out to them first, but with the warning which comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 9 to 10. I'll read it for you. I love the sound of flipping of pages of scripture. So if I can hear that right now, that's, that's awesome. Looking around, a few Bibles being flipped. Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. (coughs) This is the prophet Isaiah quoting the words of the Lord given to him in verse 9 and 10. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. That's, did you notice how scary that is? That's a command from God to make people like that. Why would God do that? Well, because we've already chosen it for ourselves. We've already gone down that road. We've already refused to listen. We've already taken every blessing and ignored it. We're doing the same today, friends, as a culture. And if we've got enough humility to recognize we've even done it ourselves, even if we've been walking with Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years, yet he is a merciful God. Paul is right to use this text because Jesus himself uses it in Matthew 13 and verse 14. Matthew 13 and verse 14. 
Jesus said in verse 13, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, through hearing they do not hear or understand. Verse 14, he says, In them, that people, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. When Jesus says it's fulfilled, it means fulfilled again. In the sense of no matter how many times you hear it, no matter how many times you hear the word of God, no matter how many times you hear the warnings of God, you keep on stubbornly ignoring it. Jesus himself saying it to the people. And Paul repeats it. The reason the prophet Isaiah wrote was because the Jews were already rejecting God's word 700 years before Jesus came. It's why Jesus had to come. Because people wouldn't listen. And so we face the righteous wrath of God without a saviour. But then God in his mercy came to be our saviour. To snatch us from the jaws of death. At first reading you might think, hold on Paul, okay, you spent a day preaching to the Jews, but then you laid down a pretty stiff challenge. Our culture today doesn't like stiff challenges either, does it? Ooh, you can't say that. You might offend someone, Pastor Ben. I could never challenge someone about their sin. You go on the internet now, they say sin doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as sin. Okay, in that case, why are our prisons full? Why are people living in fear across this land? Because of sin, pure and simple. Our culture doesn't like stiff challenges. In fact, it doesn't like challenges at all. But what is the reality, friends? Judgment, the judgment of God is not a walk in the park. Sinners being faced with a holy and righteous creator who is angry at sin is not a trivial matter. Remember the fire and brimstone preachers? They declared and proclaimed the kingdom and the need for repentance. Friends, the gospel is not a suggestion. It's a command. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's Jesus' words in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The gospel is not a suggestion. It's not a quiet little petition. It's a command of God. We're either in line with his command or we're outside where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth so friends with the time we have left what should we do well what did Paul do in verse 30 it tells us that Paul lived there in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him He couldn't go out. He was a prisoner in his home. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. 
For Paul, it was the gospel, both barrels. Unadulterated, unapologetically, raw gospel, because that's what sinners need. That's what you and I need. Paul held nothing back. He he would have gone out if he could, but he was confined to his home. Friends, so whether we are confined to our homes or whether we are free to go out, let us proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ boldly and without holding anything back. Because as we'll see in our next series, there is a king and he is returning. How will he find us? Good and faithful? Or lazy servants? I'm asking myself the same question, friends. What was Paul? And what can Jesus, by the power of his spirit within us, what can he make us? Well, if you've read Revelation before, you might have some clues, some answers to what lies ahead. The martyrs, those who don't bend the knee to the ways of the world, they will reign with Christ in a whole new blessed era when this age has long ended. Revelation 20, verse 4. The question is, will you be one of them? He shed his blood as a ransom for many. That blood is shed freely for you, that you might find forgiveness and healing and power to overcome. Shall we bow our heads in prayer?